Welcome to Palm Vista Community Church as we continue our series in the letter of 2 Timothy. The series is entitled Guard the Faith and we're preaching from the letter of 2 Timothy. You'll find 2 Timothy in the back of your Bible at the very back, 2 Timothy. And these letters or epistles were written by men of God under the inspiration of God the Holy Spirit to the church in the first century. And so I invite you to turn now to 2 Timothy chapter 1. If you don't have a Bible, we have some in the back on the table. It's really important that you look at these words together with me, that you follow them as I read them and as I preach them, because this is the very word of God. And we need the word of God this morning. The message this morning is entitled, The Gift of Preaching. The Gift of Preaching. And the text is 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 12. And as you're turning there, let me set up this letter for you. This is the last letter written by the Apostle Paul. He's an old man. He's in his second imprisonment in Rome. It's probably around 63 AD. And he's writing to his friend and partner in the faith, a pastor named Timothy. And Timothy happens to be pastoring in a city called Ephesus, which is in modern day Turkey. And he's writing to Timothy a very important word. He's telling Timothy this. He's saying, Timothy, you're the pastor of an influential church in Ephesus. And I want you to rekindle the gift of preaching, which God gave you in the laying on of hands at your ordination. I remember just five years ago, laying hands on a a young man right here in this pulpit named Jose Prado. And we sent him out to go uh, plant a church, Christ City Church. And, and that same ordination, that same gift has traveled from Pastor uh, Timothy all the way to Pastor Pino preaching to you this morning. Every pastor since has that same gift of preaching. And it's a very, very important gift of preaching. And even though this message is primarily to Pastor Timothy and all the pastors since, to include yours truly, it's also for you as a church because God has given this gift through the pastor, through the preacher, through the teacher, for the good of the church, according to his purpose. So it's important that you listen in, that we listen in to to God speaking to Pastor Timothy about the gift of preaching through the Apostle Paul who calls himself a preacher because it's important to God. Because it's the way God has given us to guard the very faith that he's delivered to us. So are you there? 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, 2 Timothy chapter 1, beginning in verse 6. For this reason, I, Paul, remind you, Timothy, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love, and self-control. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus Before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life 
and immortality to light through the gospel, for which I was appointed a preacher, an apostle, and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard until the day what has been entrusted to me. Florida has more treasure off its coast than any other place in the United States of America. And most of that treasure is located just north of us along what is appropriately called the Treasure Coast. And if you know Florida at all, the Treasure Coast begins basically in Hope Sound and it goes all the way to Sebastian Inlet. And the epicenter of the Treasure Coast, where all that treasure is, is Jupiter Inlet. So if you drive up to Jupiter, you're at the epicenter, Jupiter Inlet. Now, that treasure got there because way back when, when the New World was being discovered, and then the Spanish came and started hauling off gold back into the Old World, both pirates and hurricanes basically caused over 10% of the treasure going back to the Old World to be lost, and much of it, much of it right off our treasure coast. In fact, some say that there is over $200 million waiting to be found off the treasure coast. Now, here's the law. The law of the land is, if you find the treasure on the beach, it's yours. You don't need any kind of permits. Go for it. And so, the way you find the treasure on the beach, as you see in this picture here on the screen, is you use a couple of things. Number one, you use a metal detector and a digging instrument. Number two, you need a set of headphones. Number three, you need a bucket to collect the treasure. Now, you see all of them there except for the bucket. Trust me, the bucket's there. It's somewhere. And here's what I want you to think. All right, the treasure is the faith that God himself has given us. The treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ. The metal detector that that man has and the digging implement that he has in his hand, that's the preaching, the study of the word, the expositing of the treasure. It's, it's how the treasure is found and discovered. This morning, I've got a metal detector and it's, and it's flashing. Over, beep, 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 beep. Oh, there's some treasure there. Let's listen. And those headphones that he has, very important. Let them represent for you the, the Holy Spirit who gives you illumination so you can hear the treasure. The Holy Spirit that lights up that treasure, that beeps in your ears. You're going to hear things this morning and suddenly in your ears it's going to beep this. Hey, boop, 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 boop. That's for me. Just like that. Just like that. And then the bucket. What's the bucket? Well, the bucket's your life. Your life. You find the treasure and God deposits that treasure in your heart. And by his Holy Spirit, he enriches your life with something far more valuable than all the gold sitting off the coast of Florida. All of it. This is the faith that God has once and for all delivered to us. And here's the main point of this text. Here's what I believe God wants us to hear in this text. On the screen. Treasure the giver and the gift of preaching. Treasure the giver and the gift of preaching. As we see this gift for what it is, it is given by God to enrich our lives, to bring glory to his name. May we treasure the gift of preaching. But before you can treasure the gift, you've got to treasure the giver. That leads us to point one. Treasure the giver. Treasuring the giver means that we have to see the connection between verses 6 through 12 which is the verses we're preaching today, and verses 1 to 5, the verses we preached last week. And the connection is found in the very first 
words of verse 6. Put your finger on them with me. For this reason. You should ask yourself, for what reason, Paul? Well, he's pointing back to the promise of life that he told us we have in Christ Jesus. You see it there in verse 1? Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. For this reason, because we have this life in Christ Jesus. Timothy, you rekindle the gift of preaching. Church members, you value, you treasure the gift of preaching. For what reason? Because of the giver of that gift. God himself has promised us life. He's promised us life in Jesus Christ. He's given us that life as a free gift. You can't really treasure the gift unless you treasure the giver. And this life is by God's grace, not our works. Look at verse 9. Verse 9 tells us that this gift, verse 9, who saved us, that's the gift of life, speaking of God. You see it in verse 9? Who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of His own purpose and grace, which He gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. The giver of the treasure has given us this incredible treasure, not based upon our works, but based upon the work of Jesus Christ. Now, if you're here as an unbeliever, what you're about to hear is the gospel. If you're here as a believer, you know this is the gospel. Here's my question to you, believer. Do you treasure it? I pray that God give you a new sense of how valuable this is for you. Peter tells us that this faith is more valuable than gold. Though gold is tested by fire. Hey, who can't use a little gold these days, right? But this, what you're about to hear, is more precious. Here is the grace. This is the grace that God gives us. This is the life that God gives us. Number one, Jesus came and he lived the perfect life that you and I cannot live. Number two, Jesus came and died on a cross to take the wrath of God that we deserve for our rebellion and to give us his perfect works. That's why Paul says here, he saved you not based upon your works, but his purpose, his purpose. And then Paul says further, don't be ashamed about the testimony of our Lord. Look at that in verse eight. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. You see, just as Jupiter Inlet is the epicenter of the treasure coast, The cross is the epicenter of the treasure of faith and life and grace that we have in God. And the cross is something that people are often ashamed of or undervalue. See, the opposite of being ashamed of something is to treasure it. If I am ashamed of something, I don't treasure it. If I treasure something, I'm not ashamed of it. So he's saying to Timothy, before You can treasure the gift of preaching, and we're going to get to that in a moment in point two. You first must treasure the giver of the gift. So therefore, don't be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus Christ. In the first century, the pagan power religions and Judaism, they mocked the cross. There there are drawings in ancient Rome with individuals on the cross, and their heads have been replaced with the heads of donkeys. Because what they're saying is anybody that hangs on a cross is a fool. The Jews would say anybody that hangs on a cross is cursed. 
And so Paul is saying, I know that propensity in the first century to mock the cross, to be ashamed of the cross, but don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the epicenter of the treasure. And in the 21st century, we may not be as mocking about the cross because we don't understand exactly how shameful it was. We don't understand that Jesus actually hung on that cross naked, ashamed, that he was cursed. We kind of do. But in the 21st century, we can trivialize the cross. We can wear it around our neck as a cute little symbol, bedazzled with jewels or made of the finest gold possible. Maybe it's your mother's cross. Maybe it's your grandmother's cross. But it's meaningless to you. You don't treasure it. It's not truly a treasure. And what he's saying to us is treasure what happened at the cross. At the cross, listen to me, is where Jesus abolished death. He abolished death. That's what it says in verse 10. Where it says, Jesus Christ who abolished death. You know how Jesus abolished death? By dying. Isn't that crazy? But if you're a believer, he abolished death for you. Oh yes, your body may die, but you will live forever. That's what it says there. He abolished death and he brought life and immortality. By grace. This is the awesome treasure that the giver has given us. So we treasure the giver. We say, thank you, Jesus, for coming. And this is why Paul says to Timothy, don't be ashamed of the testimony of the Lord, our Lord, but suffer. Look at that in verse 8. But share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. You see that in verse 8? Look at it. Don't be ashamed. So either you're going to be ashamed or you're going to suffer. In the Bible, when you have contrast, the word but is very important in Scripture. It shows you contrast. It's like a heat lamp. That word is like the beeps in your head through the headphones as you're doing the metal detector. You see that word? Beep, 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 beep. Whoops, slow down. Look at it again. Don't be ashamed, but... You may say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I may say that. But when I flinch back from suffering for it, I'm being ashamed of the gospel. Suffer for it according to the power of God. And it's logical. It's so logical. Because you see, Jesus had to first suffer. He had to suffer the indignity and the shame of the cross. The Bible says that he despised the shame of the cross, looking to the glory on the other side of it. And then after the cross came the resurrection, and he is in glory now. And Paul, following Jesus, is sitting in the Mamertine prison in Rome, suffering. Suffering for the gospel. I, I, I love Paul. I don't know what Paul looked like. Was he tall? Was he short? Everybody says he was short. Why do they say that? Mediterranean people can be tall too, right? I mean, Israel has a basketball team, don't they? Maybe Paul was like the starting power forward for the team. I'm going to say he's tall, okay? All right, Justin, he's tall. He's not short, he's tall. But you know what? He's a bent over old man freezing in a cold, dank prison underneath the ground in Rome. But you know what he calls himself? He calls himself in this text a prisoner of the Lord. We're going to get to that in a moment when he talks about treasuring the gift. But he says, don't be ashamed of the gospel, nor of me, a prisoner of the Lord. Do you see that? Paul refused to acknowledge that he was a prisoner of Caesar. 
Though he sat in Caesar's prison because of Caesar's law, because he would not bow his knee to Caesar as Lord, he sat in that prison and he was a prisoner there. But he says, I'm not Caesar's prisoner. I am God's prisoner because Caesar didn't ultimately put me here. Oh, he was the secondary cause. God put me here and I rejoice in it. Because I know my Savior suffered first and then saw glory. So I'm not shocked by me suffering first because I'm going to see glory. Because remember, it's Jesus that brought that grace who abolished death and brought life and immortality. But on the way to abolishing death, he had to die. He had to suffer. And then glory. And on the way to glory for us, we will suffer. But I'm not ashamed of it. I don't complain about it. I embrace it by the power of God because it is this treasure that has brought me life when I could do nothing to overcome death. Jesus abolished it for me. So he's saying that to Timothy. He's saying that to us. We're part of the fellowship of the believers that live that. Listen, we live a life of unashamed glory that is preceded by sometimes crushing suffering. I love the way a young Zimbabwean preacher said it who was suffering for the gospel. On the screen, imagine this young Zimbabwean preacher just shouting it with that beautiful accent that my African brothers have when they speak English. I'm part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have the Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of His. I won't look back, let up, slow down, back away, or be still. I won't give up, shut up, let up, until I have stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am a disciple of Christ. Amen? Amen. Listen, that's someone who saw and treasured the giver. And he understood that as a follower of Christ, he too was called to suffer and then see glory. That's why we sang the songs we sang this morning. Because it is the theme not only of this text this morning it's the theme of second timothy it's the theme of the christian life because the founder lived that theme and he is in glory and he promises us that so hold on little children i don't don't mean to trivialize your suffering hold on those of you who are about to give up hold on those that say i can't take it anymore lord your savior is gentle and he's gone through it And he will see you through. He will see you through. And it's through the preaching of the word of God that the faith is then guarded and helps us through, which leads us to point two. Treasure the gift. So by treasuring the giver now, we can treasure the gift. To understand the letter of 2 Timothy, it is very important for us to figure out what the gift is. Look at verse 6 again. For this reason, I remind you, to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So what is that gift? Well, the first question you want to ask yourself is, has the Apostle Paul used that word by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit elsewhere in Scripture? And even better if we can find it in one of Paul's letters that are right around 2 Timothy. And lo and behold, we don't have to go far, we go to 1 Timothy. And Paul used that word. And that use in 1 Timothy helps explain its use in 2 Timothy. On the screen, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. This was written a few years earlier to the same Pastor Timothy by the same Apostle Paul. And Paul writes the following. 
do not neglect the gift. So it's interesting. A couple of years later, he's saying, rekindle the gift. In 1 Timothy, he's saying, do not neglect the gift. You know, as preachers, it's easy to neglect. As preachers, it's easy to allow it to, to wane a little bit. Pray for your preachers. These are important things that we must stand before God in. And pray for us because it's for your good that we not neglect it. It's for your good that we rekindle it. Reading on, which has been given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Very similar verbiage to what we just read in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6. When I laid my hands on you. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. He's talking about the preaching gift, the teaching gift. Persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. That's incredible. I mean, that last part there, you will save both yourself and your hearers. We know it is God that saved us, saves us. But what he's saying is this, the very gospel you're preaching is the power of God for salvation. So as you preach it accurately, it does save us. Wait a second, Al. Timothy saves me. No, God saves you. But, but does it save me this morning? I'm already saved. Oh, yes, because salvation, this gospel gift, it, it's, it's full-orbed. There's like three components to it, biblically. There's what's called justification. And if you're here this morning and, and you're wondering, what is this guy talking about? And what in the world is this all about? You're probably not justified. But, but God, when he saves us, when we're converted, he justifies us point in time. We see our sin because he shows it to us. We have faith because he gives us that faith. We repent because he enables us to repent. But then we actually repent and believe we profess Jesus as Lord and we're saved, justified, point in time. But save also includes sanctified. That's that period from the point we are justified to the day that we die or Jesus returns. And it's the process of becoming more and more like Jesus, of walking as his disciple. That's part of being saved. And then there's a final component to it. It's called to be glorified. This is when Christ returns and he gives us a new heavens and a new earth and our bodies are no longer aging and and sick and tired and and our knees hurt and and we, we, we sin. That's gone. We get new glorified bodies and we live forever and ever with Jesus in a new heavens and a new earth. This is that immortality piece that we saw in verse 10. So saved includes all of that. So when he says in 1 Timothy 4, 16, that pay attention because God will use that to save his people, that's what he's talking about. The full orb salvation of God. And so that's why we treasure this gift we remember that it is god who called us now i'm speaking to us and i'm, I'm speaking of preachers I'm, pr- I'm literally preaching to myself right now according to these verses god called me with a holy calling and, and it's good that you listen in we, we don't want to flatten out this text and just make it oh you know he's just talking to everybody well he is but let's not flatten it out this text has a face and the faith is, face is timothy's and every pastor since then that it preaches. And the word that he's giving Timothy is, this call to preach is a call to suffer for the gospel as I'm suffering. But we're doing it in the power of the gospel. And we're doing it for the good of the people. That's your good. And it's according to God's purpose, not our works. That's why any preacher that draws attention to himself unnecessarily is missing the point. It's not about the preacher. It's about the one who gave the gift. 
It's about the purpose of God to preach the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ. And and we need to kindle it. If you look back at verse 6, that that word kindle, you can can think of it as as like refiring us up, fan into flame, kindle. It's a word that we need. It's a word that a pastor who, who treasures the gospel he needs, we need to treasure this gift because it is a gift from God. It's, it's a gift of remembering what God has called us to. It's a gift remembering that it is Jesus who will guard the faith that we preach, as Paul says in verse 12. And then, dear member, how do you treasure the gift? Will you do it in a similar way as Timothy? Because Paul says in verse 8, Don't be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, that's the gospel, and don't be ashamed of me, his prisoner. So so the way you treasure the gift certainly is to treasure the giver, certainly is to see the gospel, but it's not to be ashamed of the preacher. See, Paul was suffering. Do you know what people said to Paul? They said, you must not know God because you're suffering And if you knew God, you would have prosperity and money and comfort and people would be serving you. That's what the power religion of the first century said. It's all through the the epistles. You look at Corinthians when Paul is talking to the church he planted and they are leaving Paul for these super apostles that have their own reality TV shows. And and they're saying, if you really had God's spirit, then you would be all that and you wouldn't be suffering. Your nails would be manicured. You wouldn't be gnarled. You would be driving a Bentley or at least a BMW. You would have your own contracts with whatever. You you would be just, you would be the man who always succeeds. And they missed it. They missed the gospel. They missed the fact that our Savior came to suffer, die, rise from the dead, and then be glorified. And friends, I tell you that there is a threat on the church today, particularly in America, that would have that thinking about what the gospel truly is. And they would look down at the one who isn't flowing in the cash. And they would look up at the one who is and think, I'm going there because they must really have the gospel. And they miss the entire message of the Bible. Don't we remember Christmas? Don't we remember the shock that Jesus is born in a cave in a manger, a feeding trough maybe for animals? Don't we remember that God, instead of telling the rich and the famous in Jerusalem, came and told the undesirable shepherds who were the lowlifes of that time, the stinky, non-trustworthy shepherds? Don't we remember that the Bible says, when it talks about John the Baptist, it says Herod was in his uh, castle and this one was ruling over here and the word of the Lord came to John in the desert. And we forget that. Because we buy the slick packaged marketing baloney of our culture. The I culture. The Facebook marketing culture. It's all about me culture. The selfie culture. And God is saying, listen, you treasure the gift when you are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, nor of his, its prisoner, its preacher. That's what he says. That's what he says to Timothy. That's what God is saying to us. Now, here's another way you can treasure the gift. You can treasure the gift by preparing for the gift. I I dropped off Marcos and Becky 
uh, at this marathon this morning at 530 in the morning. I'd never seen so many people at 530 in the morning in Miami. Now, that's not true because as I was driving back, I drive I drove by the club district that's down there right near Midtown. And I almost got in a couple of accidents there because I thought, what's this backup for? It was a whole different crowd. They were not dressed in shorts and running shoes and everything. You know, they were stumbling through the street and, you know, all that. And I thought, wow, what a contrast. Here's the club, the clubbers who are just going to sleep at 530. And there's the runners who had a good night's rest and prepared and prepared and prepared and ate right and slept well for that marathon. And I thought, because they treasured that marathon. Some, most of them even paid money to run in that marathon. And I think, well, how do we treasure the gift of preaching? We prepare for it. On Saturday or, or on Friday night, read the text that's going to be preached. We give you a, a Palm Beston form, which is a digital uh, bulletin. And in it, we tell you the scripture we're going to be preaching. Read it. Read it with your family. Say, well, I wonder what, I wonder what this says. I wonder what Al's going to preach. Pray. Pray for the preacher. Pray for him Saturday night. Get the kids involved. Say, pray for Mr. Pino. You know, he needs it. Pray for us on the drive here to the church. There's a lot of pressures when you're going to preach. Anybody that's preached will tell you this. It seems like the hounds of hell are released against you. Everything that will go wrong will go wrong. Crazy thoughts enter your mind. Pray for the preacher. Pray for the preacher. And then while you're listening to the message, however you listen best. Look, some people listen best by just staring at me and not moving. Those people do scare me a little. Some people listen well by scrunching their eyebrows and going like this. And I always think, are they mad at me? I'm sort of a little ADD, so I listen best when I'm doing something. So if you ever see me when I'm listening to a sermon, I am pounding on my keyboard. Pounding. Other people pound on their keyboard. Because my mind gets engaged as I'm taking notes of what the preacher's saying. Because I'm I'm like interacting with the preacher. However you listen best. But sit up straight and listen. Because these are God's words, not necessarily what I'm preaching. I hope they they are agreeing with God's word, but the word of God is the word of God. That's why I ask you to grab it. Grab a Bible, read it, put your fingers on it, mark it, interact with it. Or on your tablet or whatever you watch it. That's That's how we treasure the gift. And then this afternoon, talk about the sermon. Talk about the sermon. I'm not talking about being critics of the sermon. Please don't do that. That doesn't help anybody. But interact with it and be discerning. There's a difference. If you go waiting to catch the preacher, say something wrong, no good. But if you go discerning, I want to read that. Al said this. Is it really that? Does does 1 Timothy 4, 14 to 16 really define that gift that we see in 2 Timothy 1, 6? Try to understand. Talk with your friends about it tonight, tomorrow, at community group, which we're not having this week. But at community group, talk with your friends about it. Talk with your children about it. Allow the Lord to apply it in your heart. I I love what it says in the Westminster Larger Catechism. Westminster Larger Catechism. Question 160 begins this way. What is required? By the way, a catechism is something that's used to teach people the faith. Westminster is a place, and larger, well, that's self-explanatory. You could read the shorter catechism, too, so start there. But the Westminster Larger Catechism, question 160 says, What is required of those that hear the word preached? Here's the answer. So what is required of those that hear the word preached? It is required of those that hear the word preached that they attend upon it with diligence. That's just fancy words for saying you pay attention. Preparation and prayer, what we just talked about. Examine what they hear by the scriptures. 
Receive the truth with faith, love, meekness, and readiness of mind as the word of God. Meditate and confer of it. Confer of it as you just talk with somebody. Like a conference. I, I want to confer of it. I, I want to talk about it with others. Hide it in their hearts and bring it forth and bring forth the fruit of it in their lives. That's only possible by the Holy Spirit of God. But, but, but the means of that grace is the word preached. It's the word p- preached. So you may be thinking right now, Al, I, I don't even know if I treasure the giver. I mean, like maybe kind of sort of I treasure God. Here I am. I'm here, right, Al? <laughs> but treasure the gift? I'm not there. Right. Neither am I every week. You think I am? You think I wake up on Tuesday morning and say, hey, I'm going to really treasure this gift. Now, just to be honest, 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 I look at that text and I go, oh, what does it say, Lord? I usually start by, by listing all the verbs and the nouns and look at, thinking about the grammar. Do I look like grammar was my highlight in high school or even college? No. ESPN, yes. Gator football, yes. Grammar, no. It's a discipline for me. And and I say, Lord, this is your word. We're like cups. God fills us up. Imagine this is a cup. Tall cup. Blue cup. And there's holes. By the end of the day, it's leaked out. So so I, I have to encourage my soul. Treasure the giver. Yes, God. Thank you for saving me. Treasure the gift. This is a gift that you've given, not according to my ability, but your holy purpose. Oh God, I treasure it. And Lord, help me to just look at this and to pray because you have a point. You have a purpose. This is before the ages began, this Bible verse says. And I want to preach it, Lord. I want to treasure you. I want to treasure it. Pray for me. I'll pray for you. Lord, I pray the church would treasure it. I pray they are praying that I would treasure you and it so that when the word comes, we're ready. I know you're not there. I'm not there either. But this is why we gather together this morning. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. And and we can just stand up and we can sing. We're going to sing this anthem again. And we're going to say, Lord, Lord, we come to you as your people. We're saved, but we're being saved. And one day we will be saved. And some days I feel unsaved. I don't treasure you, Lord. But I want to. And if you don't want to, ask him to give you the want to to want to. And he will. Because he loves it when his people humble themselves and cry out for his grace. He's here to pour out his mercy upon us, church. So let me pray for us. Worship team, would you come back up? And let's pray. Lord, you're the one who turned the water into wine. Lord, you're the one that opened the eyes of the blind. There's no one like you. Lord, open our blind eyes. When we find ourselves stumbling through our day, somewhat numb to you. We love you, but our love is being perfected. We want you, but our our want is being perfected. We we, we desire you, but our desires are being perfected. So Lord, as we stumble through at times a little numb, Lord, would you revive us that we would fan into flame as preachers. That your people would fan into flame this treasuring of you as the giver and the gift of preaching you've given. Lord, hear our prayers. Open our blind eyes. Unstop our deaf ears. Or for some of us, give sight to our our blurred vision and our poor hearing. Lord, we need those headphones. Holy Spirit, sir, give us illumination and hope and faith 
that it's your power that will guard this faith. It is your power that will make us into the people you've called us to be. It is your power that will keep us until that final day. And it is your promise that life eternal is ours in Christ as we walk through the suffering that you called us to today for the sake of the gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us stand and let us sing.